What's going on, everybody? It's David Allen, Common Threads Podcast here with a an incredible friend of mine, Brian Tessier. Uh, he has, uh, what, I met you two two years ago or so at this point. So, I mean, we've probably known of each other for a couple of years. We've probably sure. met each other once or twice, but we've really become friends since the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Brian and I, man, we connected and just started riding bikes, and he has this e-bike and kind of convinced me to, to get into one, and, and it's we were just chatting earlier today about the the free feeling of being on an e-bike and just kind of scooting around the city, taking your time and and the mental therapy. And I think that's a great start for us too. Is you know we're we're we live in this world where it's 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 constantly on the grind, constantly trying to build our lives and and really set ourselves up for the future and and continued growth. And a lot of entrepreneurs and business people in general, I don't think they take advantage of the mindset. And I don't think that people really put as much investment into that side of things. And I, I, I personally have, have really relied on, on all of the pandemic every single day, two, three hours a day, riding the bike mm. and just kind of clearing my mind. Mm. So I'm, I'm assuming, you know, based off our conversation, that's a big part of what you do in the summer times and the great months and all that stuff. Right. I think entrepreneurs uh, are so laser focused that whenever the pandemic came, it really forced everybody to, to stop. I mean, to stop and, you know, see what's important to you in life. And, you know, I don't think entrepreneurs take enough time for themselves. Either they're trying to impress themselves, grow their bank account, grow their business. They, they put the pressure on themselves. But um, you ever hear the term slow down and go faster? I think that's what, like, when we go for our bike rides and we just decompress, we're still working. We're still answering emails, social media, et cetera. Um, but we're just kind of limping along and we're, we're, we're putting gas back in the tank, so to speak. That's what I think of a car that pulls up to a gas station or an electric car. Plug it in, get some gas, whatever, and you keep on moving. Um, I just think we need to take more time for ourselves. Yeah. How how long have you been doing that? How, how long have you really focused on the mental aspect of, of you know, your day-to-day grind and your day-to-day hustle? I mean, you're a top realtor in Pittsburgh. And, and since then, I've got your license in, in the state of Florida, and hopefully you'll be helping me get a uh, residency down there. Um, but how, how, how long have you been doing that? Or how long have you really focused on the mental aspect? Because, you know, I'm 35 now. I don't think I really put that much time into it until the, the more recent years. Yeah, I think it's a, ma- a matter of maturity. I'm 49. I just turned 49, and I've probably been mentally um, taking a break or paying attention to the mental aspect of success for quite some time. I started off with yoga maybe 15 years ago, and then Pilates, and just those type of things. Have been, um, and it's funny because whenever you learn something, you kind of get introduced to it. So you may just scratch the surface a little bit of learning it. um, And then maybe you put it on the shelf for a while. Uh, Like I go to a lot of conferences and there may be something I've heard, but I wasn't ready to implement for a while. Same with this mental reset that we're talking about. Um, So I learned about it years ago and maybe I just did a little bit. And then as I slowed down, as I got older, I came back to it and like, ah, there's more to it. Maybe I should explore more of it. Um, Now, granted, there are some 20 year olds that are already well in tune with that. But uh, it seems like my generation, you know, that's a sign of weakness. Uh, In a generation before me, like my parents, they never admitted any of that type of stuff. Sure. Right. And then as you, it just like anything that creates that gives you a little bit of success a little booster um, you look into it more and more okay it's just it's no different than tracking your leads or tracking where your money's going or whatever oh oh this marketing's working I'm gonna put more money into it oh mental um, relaxation uh, a little bit each day is working I'm gonna put a little bit more into it and and I get 
I'm not sure what the word is, but people that don't understand me, uh, an older generation, like maybe my parents, um, and maybe even some clients sometimes that haven't gotten in touch with the mental um, relaxation and look at me like, oh, you're not working every minute of the day? Why not? Well, you need to take a little bit of a break. Sure, I sleep six, seven, eight hours at night, but I'm, I'm unconscious. If I could be conscious and just, I don't meditate, but I just kind of decompress. Um, bike riding is, even though we're physically doing something, that is a major, major decompression. I mean, we're seeing this beautiful city of Pittsburgh uh, that you just can't see it that way if you're walking, jogging, or driving a car. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, the, the point you brought up, which I think is a great talking point is the generational changes, right? Our folks generation is just far different. And if you're not working the, the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, you're lazy or, All right. you know, it, it's, it's so crazy. And I do think when you mentioned the younger people that some of them that are on in tune to this, I think that's because of the social media side and, and the amount of education that there's out there. And, and it's now being groomed for those to be part of the process now. Right where our, our folks generation that wasn't part of the process, you were considered weak. You were considered not as talented or, or you weren't working as hard. And I've, I've learned through this whole process of building a brand and building a business from, from nothing is that every aspect of your body, mind, spirit, whatever it is that, that kind of drives you is super important. And then the days that things get really, really tough and really, really challenging, those days are crucial to help you get through the bad times like that. All right, absolutely. And you've, you, you have, there's so many tools you have to rely on to be successful. And, and I, I use this analogy a lot, especially since I'm in real estate. Uh, let's just take a house, for instance. There's just not one main component that makes the house stand. It's a multitude of components that equal success. The success is the house being able to stand there for years, decades, sometimes in, a, in Pittsburgh, centuries. Yeah. And that is, you have a foundation, you have framing, you have sheathing, you have exterior wrap, um, you have drywall, you have paint. All this stuff forms together to create success, which is a house that is standing to protect a family or, or whatever. So it's not just grinding and we say, we hear it and I say it and grind this grind on. Maybe I need to, uh, I'm reflecting right now. I'm kind of learning something about myself is maybe I need to start pushing, um, the slowdown, the, the, the pause. Cause we want the younger generation that sees us successful, um, to understand that we're not just grinding all the time. And that's kind of the image I want to portray for the younger generation. Oh, Brian grinds all the time, but I want them to understand. And that's why I post a lot about bike riding is we do take a, a minute to reset and that prevents burnout. I rarely burn out with how much work I actually do. And that's because I take so much time from myself and I've learned that from somebody else. I've seen other successful yeah. people that have taken, I'm like, you, you, you don't work all the time. You take all that time. How do you have time for yoga? How do you have time to mentally, oh yeah, oh, okay. Then I tried it and I was like, wow, this this actually works. And you and I connected, we talk about it. We're like, we don't have a problem taking a couple hours off and going on a bike ride on a 70 degree day. Yeah, and and the, the, I, I think that's the big part about enjoying what you do. And that allows you an opportunity to continue to enjoy that, which then allows you to work harder, work smarter, and be more strategic with what you do. And yeah, we may have taken today at what, two o'clock to four o'clock, or five o'clock, uh, two to three hours of, of personal time. But now we're here at seven o'clock and we'll be going home answering emails. And there's really no downtime because even when we're riding bikes, you're still thinking about mm. business. You're still thinking about life. You're th we talked about going to Miami and, and, you know, the next stage for both of us and some changes that we want to have and take place. And that's part of building. 
Right. That's a big, big part of building because you have to vision visualize things to, to conceptualize that as well. well. You've got a dream. I mean, that's we were talking about Miami moving there. That's that's a dream. And if you don't have that dream, you're not going to achieve it. But that's actually the beginning, the hatching of a plan. And we have to now nurture it. Right. Right. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about your background, real estate. Um one thing that I, I really wanted to get you on here and talk, obviously I have a marketing business, which you know, and we help a lot of businesses grow. And ever since you and I connected on social media a couple of years ago, I now see a lot of other people that are realtors mimicking the same style of work that you do, which in my eyes is great because you're setting a foundation for it. And, and I'd love your opinion on it. My thought process behind that is just like mine. Look, there's other suit companies. I just want to continue doing everything I can to be the best, at least in my opinion. And I don't care what anybody else does because I'm not judging myself against them. It's me versus myself now. It's me versus myself in 10 years and 20 years and so on. So, you know, competition's great. It's cool to see that other people are doing things that it makes you look good because, hey, you're, you, in my opinion, you're the pioneer of that, especially in the Western PA region. And even I was watching your vlog the other day. And Chris, who my creative director was just in here and he's been on me about doing more content and things like that. And I still haven't set the time to do that. And I, I wanted to talk to you about that. And, and maybe that's, you know, another bike ride conversation that we can have so I can really dive into that. I don't utilize that enough where my where my skill set is is really is is building brands and businesses and trying to figure out the network side and expanding from that capacity, putting less focus on um, the day-to-day of, of me building a personal persona, um, which I, I'm trying to figure out what's the right path for mm. me. So, you know, I have all these people that, that I know that have big followers and there's people on TikTok now that are making money. There's mm. people on YouTube making money off their followers. So I often have that fight with myself. Like, am I not investing enough time in, in continuing to grow my personal brand but I continue let my, my thought is that I let the suits growth sell my personal brand and it's a slower organic play for me. So I just, I love what you do and I'm, I'm interested to pick your brain a little bit on that. What triggered you to start doing that? Was there anything that you saw specifically that said, Hey, I need to go this route or was it just you wanting to be different because you are different? Right. So you hit a lot of things there that I want to, I want to talk about. And that is, um, whenever you become successful by doing something that no, a way that nobody else is doing, um, everybody will eventually catch up and cop you. So being a competitive person, which I super duper am, um, it's tough for me to see that people are copying my, my Brian sells Pittsburgh. So now it's Katie sells Pittsburgh, Tim sells Pittsburgh, or Jim sells Pittsburgh, whatever. I've seen those a lot uh, pop up. It was ne- I've had that since I first started 15 years ago and, and now they're popping up everywhere. And I'm like, ah, so part of me is like, you know, it's, it's the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. And somebody copying you, but in the same respect, I'm like, Get, become your own damn originator, uh, whatever. But, uh, you know, I have a lot of, I have a couple coaches and they told me that whenever you start something um, that no one else has done, it opens a window. And that window immediately starts sliding closed. And the, uh, how big that window opens is the level of effectiveness of whatever it is you just started. So I started doing video. I'll never forget the first time I started doing social media, Facebook, 10 years ago, I posted a sold um, photo with me and the client. And the client, and man, I got crushed. Everybody's no like, kidding. what the fuck are you posting that for? Who does that? Why would you do that? And and whenever you, whenever you're a pioneer, you're doing things you don't know why you're doing them. 
you're going left when everybody else is going right because something inside of you says go left. And if you're competitive, that competitiveness, uh, competitiveness will pick up as soon as you start making a left and you slow down and you go from uh, two miles an hour to zero mile, miles an hour. That competitiveness will pick you up and go from zero to 10 mile an hour and it'll take you where you need to be because now somebody's told you you can't do it. And anytime a competitor is told they can't do something, they figure it out. So I've been just shooting first aiming second and trying to figure out how to make the aim and the actual shot work out and you know a lot of times we fail that's how you learn uh, but a lot of times things come out social media facebook instagram and then agents started doing that and, and it does piss me off that they're doing it but i can't stop that right. but what it does and i didn't know this that i figured out is because i'm competitive and god god help me if i ever lose a competitive edge i would sink i'm like shit okay they've gotten here they're equal with me. I've got to do something to get here. So then I started doing listing videos. Then they started doing listing videos. Yep. Then I started going, being in the videos and talking. Then they started being in. I'm like, what the fuck? Stop it. You yeah. can't keep doing that. Um, and now I'm doing these commercial movie style videos. And I don't know what's next. But the point is, it when people catch on to what you're doing and start doing it, it pushes you to become better and you become better. I can only speak as a realtor for your clients when you're constantly being driven to go further. There's a lot of realtors I see that stop um, and they get overtaken and then they cry and they wonder they don't have that competitive edge right. again. Thank God for that competitive edge. Well, and, that, and that's the best thing about it in my opinion is, is there are certain people in life that you, you won't stop. And it's not, uh, I want to continue doing this because I want people to look at me. It's no, I want to continue doing this because I want to continue to be different because I am different. And I feel that I have the skill set to keep doing that. And then as you do that, you start carving out this lane that becomes your little bit of a niche. And I think that's exactly what you're saying is that's what you've maximized. And in, in, in the suiting world, it's, it's very similar, right? It, it was one of the most competitive industries you can get in. I didn't have a tailoring background, didn't have a suiting background at all, didn't even know anything about clothing, except I wanted to make a couple bucks off friends, and that's what, what started it. And then as I started seeing the stale industry, which the housing market was a stale industry at that point, I, I wanted to be different. And sometimes being different is all you need. Right. And then when you trust yourself more than you trust anybody else, and even the mentors that you have, you you know you probably hear what they say, but at the end of the day, you tune it out, 100%. and then you dive into being the Brian that you trust yourself more than anybody. Right. I have a golden rule, and that is when if I have an idea, mom, dad, I love you, I tell my parents, and if they say that's fucking stupid, I'm like, that's a hit. Yeah. That's a winner. So that's when I know that I, I my first example of that was, I told my parents I'm gonna buy a Lamborghini. They were like, here, uh, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I wanted to buy the Lamborghini to have the Lamborghini, but it was a whole plan that I had hatched about trying to break into the luxury market. I had coaches and they couldn't figure out how to get me in the luxury market because Pittsburgh's not very luxury, first of all. So I looked and I watched, so, I mean, listen, social media is the spice of life. I mean, you touched on it in the beginning. In, in our generation early, if you're on social media, you're an idiot. But now it's taken over. And it is this. I've learned so much from social media. We've met through social media. I've made money through social media. So I see all these local Pittsburghers with Lamborghinis, McLarens, Ferraris. I'm like, you know, if I just roll up in any old car, I might get to talk to them. They're probably nice people. But you're going to get a level of respect and they're going to want to be with you if you're on equal ground. Right. So I bought the Lamborghini with the sole intention, the sole purpose of not enjoying it, but was to get in the same airspace space 
as other people that have these type of cars because they're typically not poor. They probably have a luxury house. Never hard sold them. Here's my business card, blah, blah, blah. I just made sure my Instagram was very robust uh, with success going back to that 10 years ago when I posted that first, first um, closed listing sale that everybody said I was an idiot for doing. So I have that on my Instagram. So whenever these people meet me, see I have a uh, Lamborghini and then go to my Instagram and they see I close a lot of houses, it's the soft close. Um, in a year, two, four, five years, they need to buy or sell a house. And I'm telling you, I've made six figures easily over my car friends and I didn't take advantage of them. I provided a fantastic service that I'm highly coached to do. Um, and, and I don't feel guilty at all. So that was kind of a plan. I'm not even sure how we got on. No, plan. no, no. This is, <laughs> dude, I, so I love this opportunity to talk with you and, and cause now we could talk about things that we chat about and other people can hear. Right. right. And I do think there's so much value that we bring into this in our conversation earlier about, you know, if going to Florida and me looking at higher end cars and then trying to get into that network of people. And I was talking to someone earlier today and, and actually Amber, I was talking with her and I said, was kind of saying, Hey, here's what I want to do. And here's my next steps. And I, I, I specifically said, if I buy a car that, you know, say it's 1500 bucks a month, whatever it may be, it's a lot for a vehicle, right? But to me, I would rather take that extra $1,500 a month and put it towards a vehicle instead of putting $1,500 into 401, because mm. I think that that return on that vehicle is going to be 10 to 100x what that 401 would be in that time frame. And I bet you, you talk to any financial advisor, you talk to anybody else, they're going to say, David, you're, you're absolutely fucking crazy with right. that that's okay from the everyday person or the conservative individual, but I'm a risk taker. Right. I prefer taking risks because I'd rather get the $1,500 a month car and fail versus putting $1,500 into the 401 and, and having that money down the road because I just, I trust myself more than I trust something just sitting there. I want to control it. Right. It's a marketing tool. I mean, it is a source. It's actually perfect. So, I mean, I get to enjoy the car. You get to enjoy the car. And it's a marketing tool. I mean, I can spend money on flyers, which I get absolutely no enjoyment out of saying a just listed and just sold car. I can tell you that. I may get nothing off of that. But that car, um, that suit, um, that portrays an image to your clientele. I mean, like if if I hire a home inspector and he rolls up in a minivan with a ladder strapped at the top with, you know, rusted out wheel wells, I'm going to be a little uncomfortable. And people people try to tell me all day long, oh, the image doesn't matter. What you drive doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't give a shit on what you're trying to attract. If you're trying to attract shit, congratulations, you got it. If you're trying to attract a luxury consumer, if they roll up in that minivan, say I sell a $2 million house and my buyer hires the home inspector, I refer to him and he rolls up in that minivan, he may be great, but I'm gonna be like, oh my God. Versus a company like Pillar to Post, which I use, and they they have uniforms and uniformity and, and all that. I mean, it gives a professional image. And I guess that's kind of what we're talking about is a professional image. If you're an entrepreneur, no matter what your product is, whether it's you or your gear, whatever, you you want you want to look the part. You want to look professional. I mean, yeah, there's the millionaire next door book and all that, but those guys are different. Right. You're selling, we're selling an image. You're selling an image. I like working with you because of what you have here. I like your um, office here. I like the picture behind you. I like the jacket. You sold me clothes that, again, I had no need for just from your Instagram stories. How many times have I DM'd you like, I need that. I want that. <laughs> Let me lot. tell you, I'm not looking for a pink um, <laughs> zip up at all. I wasn't in my, I mean, I didn't, wasn't in my need factor. Yeah. Yeah. But you provided something I didn't even know I wanted. Yeah. So perception versus reality, yeah. I think, is a great talking point. And I, there's, a, there's a couple different ways that you can look at that. You know, a lot of people say you have to fake it till you make it. I think that's bullshit. Um, I think it's be credible until you make it. 
and the perception will come with that credibility because they're all strategic moves that you make as you start building your 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 book of business from realtors um, or you know a suit business you're trying to build that network up it's about putting yourself in the right position to let people judge you based right. off of what you're actually doing but you also have to have the credibility and you also have the establishment there. And in the marketing world, we always talk with our clients about matching luggage. Your website needs to match your social media, which needs to match your, the quality of clothing, which needs to match the boxes that you ship things in. Same thing with you. You know, you may be, say you sell a house, right? And you go in and, and just like that, the minivan that pulls up that's rusty and everything, you kind of lose a little credibility from that standpoint. And there's nothing wrong with, if that's all that person can afford and that's that's their life, there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the lives just don't match up in that perspective. And as you're trying to build a different network and as you're trying to add different clientele to your portfolio, you need all those matching luggage pieces to talk to each other because if not, there's going to be a, a leak in the flow of things and, and it's going to end up hurting your credibility. And, and as much as people don't want to admit that, people pick up on those things, whether it's, it's they do or it's subliminally, they remember those things. Yeah, right. And you know what? You'll never know. Yeah. People make a decision. I mean, as a realtor, I'm sure I get passed over all the time and I'm sure I get selected all the time because of what I have out there. I, and I tell people this all the time when they ask me why I'm successful, how do I use social media? You know, people are Googling you um, as a realtor. I can only speak as a realtor um, and to see what you have done. So if you don't have a robust profile, if you don't have a robust uh, presence on social media, the internet, and they've been saying this for years, they're just going to pass over you to your point and you're not even going to know it. Right. Like somebody may have dropped in on your Remax website, looked at it, went to Instagram. Oh, you don't have a profile. They passed on it. You missed a lead, which you're paying money for over here to catch a lead. And you don't even know. Yeah. Do you, so we, you were just in Orlando for a realtor conference, I right. believe. Remax convention. Yes. Well, that was Remax specific. Specifically okay. all my Remax agents. So everybody all over the country came in for that. It was limited to 2000 people. So kudos to Remax. They were the first brokerage and brand and probably anybody in our industry in 2021 that has actually had an in-person conference. Oh, everybody else is pussing out and doing yeah. virtual only. We could only do we meaning Remax. I'm not part of the corporate, but they went into Florida, which is a, a little bit, um, easier to do stuff with COVID. COVID doesn't exist in Florida. It's it's non-existent. It's non-existent. <laughs> and they can only have 2,000 people. So they capped it at 2,000 people yeah. and the rest were virtual. So I was very proud of my brand that they still were allow allowed us to come in person. But yeah. yeah, I was there last week. And and how long were you? have you been at Remax? Um, I've been at Remax maybe nine years now. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so so even like that, for instance, right? We could talk about the the thought process of Remax, which I think it's pretty apparent. They they wanted to be a pioneer in the game of what they do, and it's another way. And I would assume there's all these mortgage companies popping up now. It seems like there's always, and they're probably a lot more smaller brokerages and stuff. But um, there's there's big businesses and there's small businesses, right? And even the big businesses are still figuring out how do we continue right. to be different. Same thing that you do on your day to days. How do I continue to be different? Well then through the social media aspect and the trickle down effect of that, you have this big convention in, in Orlando, you start networking, talking to other realtors, hey, what's working for you? Here's what's working for me. You probably share a little bit. And then there's a little bit you kind of keep to yourself as, right. you, as you always should. But again, it's the thought process of being different and being to will, willing to challenge, hey, we're in a quote, pandemic to an extent right now. And they were willing to go above and beyond to try to be different, which trickles down to how you conduct your business is just being different and being progressive. Right. I th and I don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but I think they really flashed a positive light on them by saying, hey, 
we're out here still we're out here still getting it done so maybe they're a pioneer as well maybe they're leaders as well i don't know yeah um what made you go over to remax was there anything specifically Right. So when I got into real estate, I failed miserably. And I had a mentor that um, eventually, Mark Hanlovich, he eventually opened his own Remax office. And I had been bouncing around unsuccessfully to different brokers. And um, he opened his own office and he invited me a year before, invited me to come on board. And I was there the day before the doors opened. And then he took me to the Remax R4 convention, which I just went to. And my mind was blown. It's just... Imagine somebody having all the answers. Imagine a place, a magical place like Disney where you can go and all the answers are just there on unicorns and and stars. That's what Remax R4 convention is. There is um, sessions about every possible problem you could have. Brokers recruiting, how to get your finances in order, how to get listings, how to treat buyers, how to um, farm an area, how to retention, how to keep buyers and sellers. All the answers are there. So, I mean, can you imagine a suit convention? Whenever you have questions, you can just yeah. go to this and and then they talk about the stuff that's coming down the pipeline. They have coaches there that are obviously trying to sell us on their coaching program, right. but they're giving away a lot of free shit to make that happen. So if you only take away one or two nuggets, you can make exponentially more money or straighten out the ship if it's a little crooked in the Suez Canal. <laughs> Which thankfully they got that done yeah, they too. Did it, yeah. yeah, so they so went I, to the convention. <laughs> so every, well, other than COVID, every year in the fall, there's a big convention in in Las Vegas called Magic. Nice. And I mean, I'm talking there's 15 to 20,000 people across the world that I'll go. It's a massive massive convention. And I've probably gone the first 3 years or so in business and then maybe 4 years and then 2020 obviously didn't happen, but it was the same thing. They have breakout rooms. Um, you know, they have a it's a 4 or 5 day convention. You can you can look at the map at who's speaking, try to go and and plug some social media stuff there. You can pick up some some different tips, tools, trades, all that stuff. Um, but it being around like-minded individuals that are in the same industry certainly helps out as well. Um, especially probably from a different regional standpoint, Hey, maybe somebody that you connected with in Texas that was at Remax gives you something that they're doing there and, and vice versa. And that's, what's really cool is you said about picking up little nuggets and even if it's one tip or something, that's enough. And sometimes, you know, you may invest whatever the the expense is to go travel somewhere to be around or to soak up knowledge from people. You don't have to know everything that they do. And you really shouldn't want to know everything that they do. My goal as, as I try to continue to get better is just learn a little bit every day. And then when I'm around people that are doing successful things or things that I'm trying to accomplish, Hey, what are they doing? Okay, well, they may be doing it this way. I think I could do it a little bit my way and change, which is which is what you've done essentially with everything on social media to this point. And and that's that's been one of my awesome things to watch now that I've become a good friend of yours and and I get to chat with you on a regular basis. I I I don't want to say I scrutinize, but I look at your stuff on a daily basis because I want to see what you're doing because I think there's things that you do that I can do in the suit business or the fashion world that you you're doing them completely different from a product standpoint but the philosophy is the same and it's just it's being different touching people different looking at things different and getting my name out there in a different capacity all circling back to the credibility side of things. 100%. And you touch on getting your name out there. Getting your name I mean that's one of the first things I learned and whenever I got my license and It was about marketing and as differentiation. That word has never left me and I take that word very seriously. There are 7,500 licensed agents in Pittsburgh and 117,000 licensed agents in Miami. That's insane. I didn't realize it was that high. So what makes you different? It's a very simple question, but it's a very hard answer uh, to come up with. What makes you different? Yeah. 
I ask them. Sometimes when agents reach out to me, I'm like, well, what makes you different? You can't just put a sign on the yard, you know, put it on the MLS and just pray it sells. You have to have something different. When you go into a listing appointment and you're interviewing against two or three other agents, you better damn well have something different because if you're going against top dogs like me, I've got something different. Yeah. And you may not even know what it is because I've kept it under the vest. And, yep. and I don't even, I don't have a listing presentation. I and mean, this might blow, if there's any realtors out there, this might blow them away. I don't have a listing presentation because I'm not going to have my blueprint of success leave it there for the seller and then he the next um he can for sell by owner it and take all my my info or give it to the next realtor that's all up in my head and sometimes the answer i'm like listen i have a i haven't not sold a listing yet that's all you need to know yeah do you ever whenever somebody asks you you know or when you ask them hey what makes you different or whatever are you ever blown away with anybody's answers have you have you ever been all right wow that's that's pretty impressive where it's all hey no that's good that's that's creative that's cool that's you is there anything that's ever been said to you or shown to you that you're like wow this is this is actually pretty unique I'm hard to impress so um and I don't look at what other realtors do I just had this conversation with a mutual friend of ours Emray and we were talking about it and um I don't watch other people's vlogs blog uh, blogs podcasts videos I don't want to be influenced by that I'm a creator I'm a, I'm a leader I'm a pioneer so I haven't been impressed by anybody doing or saying anything and I've may have taken um matter of fact I'm gonna do I like the cat out of the bag I'm gonna eventually do a marketing video yep. um uh, a friend of mine, a realtor in Virginia, uh, Matt Layton, he did a video and I'm going to steal it hundred percent. He's in a suit, um, top half and he's on a zoom call in his new listing. And then he gets off the zoom call and he stands up and he's in his briefs and he goes around showing the house. Uh, <laughs> I think that was fantastic. I DM him. I said, can I steal that? He said, yeah. So there, there's something there that I yeah. thought was pretty creative that I will take and make my own, but I don't think I could do it any better. He looks good. Uh, in this big, well, big hey, if you have it, you flaunt it, right? <laughs> so I love what you said that you don't look at anybody else from that perspective. And, and I don't either. What I'll follow like some suit companies just because I want to see different color schemes that they have. I like some inspiration from that standpoint, but I don't really pay attention to the marketing because I don't compete against a fabric company, a fabric mill like Laura Piana, Italian fabric. You know, I, there's competitors of mine that are actually clothing brands or, or designers. I don't follow them because there's some that, you know, maybe one, uh, but he's not a suit designer, but I just like his branding and I just think he's cool. So I follow that person. Right. Um, but other than that, I don't care about the people that are in Pittsburgh slinging suits. I don't care about the people that are in Miami slinging suits, like, because I, I am so confident in myself and not from an arrogant standpoint, but from a, I'm willing to put in so much work and I'm willing to get so much better every single day. And then when I think that I get to the, 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 the top, I want to work a hundred times harder because I don't want anybody to catch up to me. So that's, that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is the trust that you have to have within yourself. Because when you trust yourself to make the right decisions, even the right decisions are going to be the wrong decisions sometimes, mm -hmm. but that wrong decision allows you to then jump three times in front of that other decision to get to that next point. And, and when we, with the people that listen to this podcast, we try to leave pearls, nuggets, tips, yep. and all that stuff. Cause I want to share things that I could possibly share because there's a lot of mistakes that I've made in the past that cost me tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they're mistakes that you really can't make or really can't learn until you go through those and make those. But one thing that from day one of starting this business, I said, I'm going to build this morally 
ethically correct and I'm going to give every single ounce of effort that I possibly can. I don't need motivation from other people. Mm -hmm. I already have that self-motivation. I don't care what kind of car somebody has other than, hey, good for you. That's badass. I'm, I'm very happy for you. I'll have something like that someday. And I think that's the a, a big thing that especially younger people don't understand in the world that we live in that's such look at me, look at me. There's a difference of doing that with authenticity and then there's a difference with doing that with braggadociously like, hey, I'm the best at what I do. You can be the best at what you do and you can portray that, but you don't have to straight up say that. And there's a big, big difference there and I don't think a lot of people understand that difference. Right, I mean, I think differently than a lot of people and I've as I'm getting older, I learned to accept that. Um, I feel in the best marketing realtor in America, definitely in our MLS. And so that means if you're another realtor and you um, say, oh, you think you're better than me, I don't mean this braggadociously or cockily, but I think I've earned that right. And I do feel, and that's just confidence. I feel like I'm a better marketing. And I have to have that when I go into high-end listing presentations because I don't have one. I'm just like, I'm better. Here's why. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't mean that to be nasty or mean to other people. And I just want to back up one minute about the um, looking at other people thing. I feel as a creative person, and I'm interested to see what you think on this, I feel I get, um, if I start looking at what my competition's doing, I feel it kind of kills my creativity a little bit. Because now I'm like, oh, I start doubting myself. And I think the biggest confidence killer is when you start doubting yourself. And I start doubting myself and I see somebody, I'm not on TikTok. I hold an account, but I don't go on. I can't stand it. I think I it's haven't just made a, it either. Yeah. A, I think it's a, a time suck because you're just, there's some, I'm sure there's some educational stuff. And I know realtors are making tons of money, but I look at it and I'm like, hmm. Should I be on there now? There's another. There's a kid in our um, uh, our demographic here, Brian Zaper, a really good guy with Pied Sotheby's. Uh, where we might be doing a deal together, and he does a really cool thing on TikTok, Tipsy Tuesday or something like that. Um, and I'm not going to get into it, but it, it gets a lot of uh, followers and it gets him some business. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, should I be trying to do something like that? And I feel it kills my creativity. I feel like I just yeah. got smacked in the face. I'm like, stay the course, stay in your lane, stick with what you know, and continue to press on. So that's why, like in the beginning of the conversation. I don't look at what other people do. I don't care what other people do. I'm Things are working out just fine for me the way they are. I like when people start imitating me and then I just go up another level, but I'm not going to look at what you're doing. I want everything that I'm doing now I've created yeah. or I've taken from somebody in a different state that my coach told me to look at and tweaked a little bit, but no, nobody in Pittsburgh, if I looked at it said, oh, I should be Brian sells Pittsburgh or something yeah. like that. So the TikTok thing is interesting because yeah. I've not signed up for it. I mm. won't sign up for it as of now. I've looked at a couple whenever they, I guess in Instagram, they call them reels or whatever. Right. So it's a similar flow. And the only times I've ever tried to make the reels, they were just shitty. Oh. And I was like, okay, this is me trying to force something that's really not me. Right. So I'm going to step back. I'm going to shut that door. I'm going to go back and stay in my lane on everything else that I'm doing that's working very, very well. Right. And if the time in the future, it clicks, all right, cool. I'll jump in and do that. But same philosophy as you, man. I... I don't, I don't want to be influenced. Right. And it's very hard to influence me to begin with. You're an influencer. Yes. You're not an influencer. Right. And that's okay. We have to have influencers in this world. Right. And, and that's, that it's, it's, it is interesting. Cause I, Gary Vaynerchuk is one of my favorite entrepreneurs and he's, you know, he's promoting TikTok to an extent and there's some other things that are coming out there. And do I think we're missing a younger demographic potentially? Maybe, but our clientele is, you know, 28 to 
55 is kind of our sweet spot, 30 to 50 right. in that range. Um, that's where the bulk of our business is. So, you know, the, the younger generation are more of the TikTok folks with, with different things. But so I actually wrestle with the same problems you're having. And, and it's interesting. We market the same way and we do creative things the same way. And maybe that's just we're at a, a certain mindset that we look at things differently. And maybe that's why. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think the reason why we're, we have, we're not uber successful. We're not billionaires. I think the reason why we enjoy some success is, for instance, we looked at TikTok, we, uh, Reels, whatever, we'll lump it all together, and we tried it, and it didn't work out. So what I said to myself is, I'm losing a revenue stream there. So what I need to do is retool myself, and I need to look at what I am doing in my business, and I need to fix something or sharpen the tool that I'm cutting, sharpen the knife that I'm cutting the meat with. The meat is I'm killing it on Instagram. I need to go and do step it up. I need to go and do something else. I need to get better content or whatever because I'm losing revenue by not being on TikTok. I'm losing revenue by not being on Reels. So I can't just sit here and be, you know, sand going through an hourglass. I need to power through. I need to figure out something else because every um, leg, I mean, your business has multiple legs of um, either marketing or revenue, whatever, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram stories, just listed cards, whatever. So I'm missing another leg over here by not doing TikTok. So I have to fill that leg with something else. So I just take my Instagram and I sharpen it up or I open up a different account or I'll go on and um, start liking and commenting on a whole bunch of my client stuff. And that's just like touching them. You know, yeah. they talk about touching them yep. uh, and that gets you back in front of them again. So the negative is I'm not on TikTok. I'm not doing reels, but what it does, the po it pushes a positive that I wouldn't have had by saying to my, by not sitting on my laurels, not sitting on my couch, twiddling my thumbs by saying, shit, I'm not getting money there. I'm not reaching enough people that way. So I need to go back over here and really kill it over here or clean this up or yeah. something. Well, the one thing you did recently, which I, I loved and I wanted to commend you on was the, the Brian sells Miami page that you created. And I think it was the last time you were in Florida, you were getting ready to, you were, I think you were met, might've been on the e-bike or driving or whatever. And you were getting ready to show some houses down there and you had the teaser on Brian sells Pittsburgh. Hey, I'm not going to show the content on this page. I'm going to show it over there. And I'm like, fuck man, now I got to go to another, which I follow <laughs> both of those, but I was like, now I got to go to another page and look at this but it made sense. And I'm so intrigued by high end anything and especially high end real estate. Cause that, that's a lot of the, the, the mindset that drives me to be successful is just the freedom to buy what I want to right. buy. And it was really cool because it made me say, okay, cool. He's doing this. This is a marketing play and I get what he's doing and it made sense. Um, so kudos to you because I, I, I see that you're doing these things and I see that you're making these moves and it's working. Right. And you're always trying different stuff out. I mean, I could have failed with that. Maybe I'm failing and I don't even know it because what you do is when you add another step into the process, you have fallout, you have fall off, you have people that aren't going to come over and guess what? Those aren't the people I'm shooting for anyway. Right. The people I'm shooting for, it's a filter if you ask me. Right. It's like a coffee filter. It brings out nice coffee water down through and those grinds that I wasn't going to do business with, they can stay grind, grimy yeah. over there. Yeah, throw them away because it's just, it's time to move on. And so that's a good point with the following and people that are interested in what you're doing. Right. And I always tell people this at the end of the day, you know, I work with a lot of celebrities and athletes, some with millions and millions of followers. And I, my Instagram following, I think I just hit 8,900 or something like that, which I'm very happy awesome. with. I'm very cool with that. But they're all real tangible followers. And we're getting ready to launch a protein bar in June. And so we're looking at different influencers that we want to kind of partner up for this. And the one thing that I keep hitting home with is like, 
you know, there are micro influencers that are more influential than actually, ma- you know, what macro influencers or however, however you want to break it down. And I always try to give advice to people that when you're building a business, get over the fact that, hey, someone may have 100,000 or 500,000 followers. Mm-hmm. That doesn't do anything for you. I want the followers that are going to convert, that are going to share, that are going to talk about me, that are going to think about me. And when it's time to sell a house, they need to think about you. When it's time to buy a suit, they need to think about me. And I think a lot of the problem with it a lot of the times too, is especially with females that have large followings, a lot of it are just perverted men that just want to look at a girl that's taking bikini pictures all day long and that's all they post. For the record, I will sell a perverted man a house. As you so should. <laughs> come on over. As long as you're legal. I mean, not doing anything super creepy, illegal. Uh, Brian or Brian sells Pittsburgh.com. Brian or Brian sells Miami.com. I like perverts. And then we'll bundle a suit in there as well. <laughs> we so it's, do that. it's all good. Um, but it's it's crazy right. because I think we've groomed ourselves into this this pigeonhole of like, hey, that's that grunting is not Brian, by the way. That's his uh, beautiful dog, Picasso, who's running around. <laughs> um, but I think that's the problem with social. No, you're fine, man. Um, I think that's the problem with social media, too. Especially younger people, or even people that are newer to it, and understanding how business actually works, followings are bullshit. Right. It really, really is. I want the tangible people that are good people in a network that want to help. And there's a big, big difference, man. I would trade all the followers in the world. I'd give up a million followers if I had them for for a thousand or ten thousand that actually could change my business direction. Right, and there's on in, uh, on social media. There's so many opportunities to buy fake stuff. Yep. You could buy fake likes. You could buy fake followers, etc. So I always tell people that are just getting into Instagram for real estate. Don't, I don't even know how many followers I have. I have no idea. Some people monitor that shit. I don't even look at it. I don't know how many people like my stuff. Maybe that's pretty. Maybe that's bad. Maybe I should know my metrics better. I don't know, but I don't put as much into it. I, you know, there's the immeasurable is how many DMs do I get over a calendar year of somebody saying, "I saw you um, sold this house for seven hundred thousand. I have one coming up. It's going to be uh, a tough." sell. Um, I see, I see you already had success. So, um, would you come? And I have come like, we call them come list me's yep. that's, I don't have to interview. They already did the research, man. I mean, oh, I can't even say this enough. You are out there. I mean, really you shouldn't even have a listing presentation. If somebody, most everybody has Googled you to find out what you're doing. And if you've already gotten the call for the appointment, they already know more about you than you're going to tell them in that listing presentation. So I get come list me's or come represent people ask me, Hey, can you take on another buyer just from Instagram. And it doesn't matter if I have 30,000 followers or 7,000 followers or 2,000 followers. Just like if you had an open house, you're never judged by how many people come through the open house. It's, did you have any interested parties? And it's never hundred percent of people that come through. Did you, so definition for me, um, the listing presentation you keep saying, can you define that a little bit or explain that? So listing presentation before the internet would be super important. That would be whenever I come in and bullshit you on why you should list me. uh, I mean, have me list your house. Um, I'm awesome. I'm the number one. I've sold 14 in this neighborhood. Here's what I do. I do drone stuff. So some people still need to see that information, but it's all out there now. People can go on your Instagram, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, your Zillow, et cetera, and see, do you have professional photos? Do you have drone photos before that internet wasn't available so i you relied on me as a seller i mean i mean i I think it's such a ridiculous process of it's almost like i'm going on interview for a job i can before the internet i could have told you whatever the hell you wanted oh so what kind of employee are you looking for i need somebody to come in early and stay late oh 
I come in an hour early and I stay an hour yeah. late. Then you hire me on and I'm just a normal person. Yep. Like a listening present presentation before the internet, I can come in and be like, I can lie to you. I'm not saying realtors did that. I'm sure they did. Oh, I sold 50 homes in this neighborhood. Oh my God. Um, what's imp what is important to you in a realtor? Communication. Oh my God. I, I call my sellers once a week, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But now, I mean, you don't even need a listing presentation because it's all out there. Yeah. So that's what one is really. So is, is that whenever... Is, is essentially whoever's selling the house, they have schedule a time or a day where it's just constantly throughout that day they're communicating with potential realtors or, or how does that work a little bit more? Is it, is there a different flow behind that? Uh, or, or I'm not sure you're talking so, about. So say I'm selling a house. Do I right. contact X amount of realtors and hey, for, on, oh, I see what you're on this day, this right. is when we do that or? Well, I mean, everybody's different. Like I said, I have come list me just from Instagram and that is they don't call anybody else. Yeah. They don't call me else. They've looked at my social media and they're just comfortable with what I'm doing and I mean what I'm saying. And that's why I just don't post stuff that I'm doing. I actually get in front of the camera and I show people what I'm doing because um, I don't want to bullshit them. I show them closings. I show them. I, I do Instagram stories from inside the closing, so you can see that I'm doing a closing. So there are still some um, sellers out there that just get off on the process. Probably maybe they have no power in their daily life or their job, and they want to. It's happened. They have us yeah. come in and they grill us, and then they hire us and they they treat us like shit throughout the entire listing um the time of the listing until it gets sold i have one like that now i can't yeah. stand working with that person but um it depends it's all over the place most of the time i don't if this anna defranks agrees with me she's a realtor as well and she said if i have to if i know i'm going against other realtors i don't even go and this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about earlier is i'd rather spend my money in that r8 or that lamborghini versus pissing in the wind with a just listed yeah. or just sold card or trying to sell a suit to somebody that only wears um, leisure wear. Yep. I, I can spend my time better. I can be on my bike clearing my head. I, I had a gentleman reach out to us, I think last week or two weeks ago, and he was just calling about pricing and information and all that stuff and was telling me how he's, you know, got promoted and whatever. And, you know, hey, here's the pricing, here's the product. And then he asked, do you do any deals? And I'm like, Ooh. no, like we just don't. <laughs> you know, my time is valued. Krista, who works with me, her time is valued. Our deal is that if you buy off of us, you're going to look really, really good. And you're going to be very, very happy with that. If you need a $50 off or $100 off, then we're probably not the right company for you. Because I, you know, for five years when we've been building this, every, every, ounce of energy we put into every single suit and I, I have to often tell Chris the two is like look it's not heart surgery if something comes back and it's off a little bit we'll fix it it's there's human beings mm. making the product it's never going to be perfect but we're going to get pretty damn close every single time and I think that's the big big aspect of it is that is what you kind of set yourself up from how do you value your time and then how do you value the skill set that you have for the craft that you have? And for me, I just, I don't want to go back and forth on things. Here it is, and this is it, take it or leave it. And in the beginning, I used to let people bully me around. Hey, mm -hmm. well, how much is that suit? Well, it's we started at 600 at the time. Well, if I buy two or three, can you knock it down? Okay, cool, yeah. And I did whatever I could. And then I remember the transitional phase when we got rid of our 699 suits and then went to 799 and so on. And we started changing things around. And there are different phases in business too, right? I'm sure a new realtor that's coming out, they probably have to eat a little shit right. in the beginning stages, which I'm sure you probably had to as right. well. You tolerate more, you let people push you around. And then when you establish the brand, the skill that you have and who you are, look, your t time is so important. And time is the commodity that we all have the same of. And I know it's cliche to say that, but it is. And I, if I'm going to invest my time, like we talked about, you know, doing these showings and you don't get a sale from it, 
you, you, you lose out a, a lot more than the dollar value on that house. You lose the happiness that you had for the time of doing something, the mental frustration, the mental clarity that you could have possibly had. So I think there's so much that goes into a transaction more than people realize. Right. I mean, and, and back to your point about the asking for deals, if you have to ask the price, you can't afford it. Yeah. Right. And you get what you pay for. Some people are happy with paying full price. I, and I just had this conversation with somebody and they're like, oh, you can get a deal on, um, Gucci over at that store. And I was like, you know what? There is something inside of me. And this is crazy to say. I've never said it out loud. I like paying full price. We're just going to pause there. I like to, I don't want a discount. I feel like, and it's just me. I feel like if I am getting a discount, it's not worth it. I feel like I've kind of cheapened myself if I can't. And, and I've worked so hard to make a lot of money to be able to afford anything I want. I want to pay full price. I mean, my whole, whenever I was poor, I had to go for that discount. I had to split a pizza with all my friends at uh, age 20 and I ate two and that kid ate five. Why is he paying the same as me? You know, now I, I've, I've just, where you are now in life is a product of where you've been through and I want to pay full price. I can buy your suits and never ask for a discount. I don't want a discount. And to be frank, I don't give discounts. Yep. At the REMAX convention, there was a kid who just got his license in Mississippi. He's only been in the business two years and already made a million dollars in gross commissions. So I perked up. Uh, this maybe goes back to if you, you asking me if I was ever interested in something somebody yeah. said. Um, the answer is now yes. I just realized it. And he said that a couple of diffusers he does is when someone asks them what his commission is, he says, don't worry, you can afford it. That's it. Don't worry, you can afford it. He doesn't. He eventually has to tell them because we have to disclose it. But um, and in a way he gets around that is he finds out what they owe on the house if it's a listing, um, what they're going to get, and then he shows them that chunk of money. Like, oh, you're going to get a fifty grand return. Okay, my commission is seven percent. That's only thirty five hundred dollars out of that. And they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. And I thought that was fantastic. And another thing I learned from this kid was, um, they said, what? He's a new kid, twenty some years old. Never bought a house. Never sold a house on his own. Um, made a million dollars a year. And uh, they said, why would I hire you? And he says. Simple. I've sold every listing I've ever had. Why wouldn't you hire me? Simple. Calm, cool, collected, never cracked a smile and was confident. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I think that comes down to the presentation of who you are too, right? And I want to work with someone like that. I just do. I was ready to go buy a house in Mississippi from him for no, yeah. no reason. Because he just, he had me, I was excited. Yeah. And I think I, I have one client in particular and he's very, very wealthy. And he always says, he goes, I'll never ask you for a discount. And he goes, you better not offer me a discount. Right. And it took me to get in, in a place of financial stability. And I think I also, it took me going through hell of building a business to really appreciate that mindset. And all the people that reach out to me, hey, can you, you know, I want to send you a, a, a tie or shoes or something like that to wear with this. And I'm like, hey, just bill me. All right. And and where my thought process goes into that is one, I don't like owing people anything. Right. I, I, I hate the feeling. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to feel that somebody could dangle a carrot over my head because everywhere I got is on my own. Right. Now there are people that have helped me out, friends that have supported me, which I, you know, I greatly appreciate all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if that person didn't do something or th I still would be doing what I'm doing. Right. And now I try to really coach people when I, and especially my team that I work with is like, Hey, you know, help people out, provide a good product, provide a good service. And if someone needs to buy some pay, pay full price to them because that $20 that you could save or that hundred dollars that you could save, 
I can guarantee you for that person that you're taking that money from, if it was a discount, hurts them more than that $20 discount that you got, right? 100%. I, I tell you, man, the amount of people when I started this that wanted discounts and all that stuff, you know, then what happens is I discount a suit, okay? Well, then the suit comes back and needs alterations. Mm. People don't think about that. Alterations cost me right. money. Now, all of a sudden, I, you know, I gave you the 10% discount. Well, the cost of the alterations, you know, maybe it's another 5% off, 3% off, whatever it is, or maybe it's 10% because it's a complete fuck up. And now I lost money on that transaction based off the time, the experience, the exposure are all those things. So I, I, I recommend strongly to anybody out there, be willing to pay full price for something. And it's, it's not a, hey, we all want something for free. Human beings, you just want to feel taken care of. But the way you feel taken care of is, is literally by supporting somebody else and understanding that your situation, if you can't afford something, just don't buy it. Don't, don't try to keep up with the Joneses to put yourself in a position that's not really a comfort situation. Make sure you're okay to be in that spot to, to, to do the transaction or whatever. But if someone's building a business, building a brand, or just selling something of theirs, a house, they work their ass off. Right. They bust their ass to, to get in that position to be able to do that. I can guarantee you, you're going to keep a longer lasting relationship and a longer lasting friend by shying away from any discount questions. Right. That stuff pisses me off. There's sometimes I still, I do get discounts from my friends for a business. And I tell, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is you didn't have to do that. I'd rather just pay for it. Like for instance, there's this thing, um, my group of friends, whenever we got to dinner in Florida, which you have yet to experience is they all, it, it, they all, we all try paying for dinner. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yep. we've gotten so freaking savvy that when we walk in the door, we get, we slide our credit card to the uh, person that's taking care of us before the meal's even done. Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of a discount. My point is, um, I don't know what my point is. No, no, uh, it makes sense. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's well, not being cheap. It's not trying to get something. It's trying to give something. Yeah. I feel good whenever I can buy dinner, a $2,000 dinner at Nuss Red for a table of 10. Yeah. And they, let me tell you, every single one of them remembered that and thanked me. Yep. exponentially. Well, the, I think the big, big difference with that is as well is when you surround yourself with like-minded individuals, there's not the leeches out there that are, hey, I want my hand out or I'm going to alligator arm at this time right. when the bill comes. And I know the, the group of friends obviously very well. And it was, I just was in Florida with Bobby recently and I had to go and, and I, went to the, I went to the restroom did it. <laughs> and then they're looking over, they're like, why are you talking to the... the Congratulations. And I ended up, you know, trying to pay for the, and I did pay for it, but... I, I, they don't need anything from me. No, they, they can don't. afford to dinner. That's for sure. Yeah. For me, it's, it's it's about differentiation. So I may have been the poorest person at the table, but damn it, they're all going to remember that I stepped up yep. and paid that bill. And whenever it comes time to buying or selling a house, or even if they don't start using me, but and it's going south, and they realize that I'm a top realtor, they'll remember that I bought them that dinner. So. It's not a measurable marketing tool buying that dinner, but um, it has dividends that will come back. Yeah, and that's that's something that's really important for me is the I don't ever want whatever you want to call it, whether it's the the, the karma, the mojo, right. whatever it may be. Um, and, and a lot of the stuff that we built our business and brand off of was philanthropic ventures or just doing good or helping people. And, um, you know, I, I had this one friend, quote friend of mine a couple of years ago, he asked me to connect him with somebody that was a limo driver. He had a limo shuttle service or whatnot. And my, my, my person that I knew was connected at one of the major like Milan or something like that in South Point. And they said, Hey, can you connect me with so-and-so I want to, um, excuse me, I want to put them in touch with the CEO or CFO of this company. And I was like, yeah, that's great for sure. Well, then I find out three months later that, that the, the guy that I knew 
said, hey, I'm only going to do this if you give me something in return. And I was furious mm. because it's a that's disgusting quality and a disgusting mm. trait. You just don't do those things. You connect that person because you have the connection there and you trust them that they're going to represent you properly. I think that's the most important foundation. Right. Now, by connecting that person, their businesses are going to flourish. They're going to you're going to help another entrepreneur. You're going to help another business person. And then you're going to help somebody else you're connected to at that larger company. At the end of the day, your name isn't going to get erased right away. It may be a year, two years, six years. Something's going to come back to you. And if it doesn't, you you have no idea how much you helped connecting that small business to that large business. And there's something in there that's so valuable that that's probably my number one tip for business is you do things that you should just do because they're the right things to do if the person you're connecting represents you to the full capacity. I'm, I'm all for not connecting people if you don't think they're going to play the game right and, and, and be a good good connection for that networking tool. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that ask me to do this or do that. And if I don't know you, I don't know you. I'm not willing to put my name out there 100%. for you. I just, I can't because, <laughs> because if I don't put my name out there or if I do put my name out there and it's something bad happens, I can't live with that. Right. And there's a lot of times where I'll, I'll pass on giving a referral. And, and I feel bad and they kind of look at me like, wow, I thought you knew everybody and knew everything. And I'm just like, well, I don't have a good referral and I'm not willing to stick my neck on the line for somebody. Just, just GTS, Google that shit. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's another thing too, is that's the simplicity of the world we live in is, is there's opportunity to figure stuff out. Right. And if, if, if they're upset about that referral, not getting passed on or whatever, if you don't know somebody and you're not comfortable doing it, you already know that you made the right answer because they're going to be frustrated. Right. And they can't take the simple steps of using Google. Google, which is the lifeblood of everything in today's world. Right. And I think you know, sometimes saying no or I don't know is actually better. I mean, just think how many, like you talked about in the beginning, how you gave all those discounts on suits and that was a bad business model, a Terrible. Not, not a lasting business model. Um, so had you had said no earlier, would you have been as successful as you are now earlier? We, we don't know, but that would have been the right thing to do in yeah. those cases. And so in kind of comparing my business over the years when I was, you know, the first three years in business when I wasn't operating or the right way, our, our, we were, you know, approaching, I think in year three, we we're approaching almost a million dollars in annual revenue and we were, we were making money, but we weren't making as much as we right. could have been. And I, back in 2017, I switched over to my, my accountant. And ever since then, he's every month we would meet and he'd say, Hey, here's the mistakes you're making. Here's where you need to clean up. Here's where you need to do this. And our goal was every single month, slowly make a change the next month, make another change the next month. Or, or if the, the two months pass and you're still tweaking the first one, Hey, let's, let's focus on this before we implement more change. And just like any business, as the, as the top line revenue is growing, your goal is, is there are businesses that do a hundred million dollars a year and probably net a million dollars, right? I don't care if I do a hundred million dollars and only net a million, I could do $2 million and net a million dollars, right? Absolutely. So the, the thought process behind a lot of startup businesses think that revenue is everything. Revenue is not everything. It's the amount of money oh. that you make. And it's the same thing that uh, there's a lot of um, things, memes going around on social media now about, it's not about how much you make, it's about how much money you keep. That's right, how much money you don't spend. Yeah, and that, so there's there's an interesting dynamic. So if you're out there starting a business, you're trying to get things up and running, focus on a couple things. 
one, I would certainly say, hey, obviously you want to focus on the top line revenue because you want to just have a litmus test of how successful you are and how much you're getting out there. But the value in that is creating the larger margin. And you also have to know that maybe maybe the trajectory is it's going to take two, three, four, five years, maybe 10 years, right, to start seeing that margin open up where you're making more money. But you have to make sure the direction that you're going is in the right direction. If we did not change accountants in 2017, I would be out of business by now. And that's that's factual. I just got audited. I just got through it, thank God, this mm. year. I was a $450,000 audit that was going, that said it was claimed extra income for me. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And um, so I think I would have to pay, what, tw- uh, what I think 20% of that or something along mm. those lines. And my accountant, we, we had all this stuff. My last accounting firm that I used just basically classified as everything as income. So I had to pay another $14,000 to get my accountant. It was a, a very in-depth audit. But the point of that was just, A, the accounting information in the beginning wasn't the right process and I was going in the wrong direction. So keep an eye on the numbers, keep an eye on what's actually happening with your business, keep an eye on the direction and make sure the money is profitable, make sure your time is valued because at the end of the day, if you have the wrong recipe, you could have a great brand and a great product, but you're gonna fail. All right, there's another lesson to learn out of that and your new accountant is a coach. Yep. You are willing to get a coach. And I tell realtors this all the time in real estate. You need to get a coach. I mean, you're, you're trying to go from here down to the bottom to the top, but you're going like this. Like you're making all the mistakes. You can avoid that. You should get a coach. Like your first accountant, you were like here. Then you got a new accountant that coached you through and took you to the top. So whether it's real estate or any type of business, you may need a coach. I know the top, the, the CEO of Remax, he has a coach. I mean, we're kind of pivoting into coaching now. And I, I just can't say enough about having a coach. It's important. And and, uh, last week I had Rocco Coza, who's my business attorney on here. And he said when he got his business coach, his life changed immensely. And I think, you know, when I started out, my my quote business coaches were were podcasts and I would listen to other Mm -hmm. successful high-end entrepreneurs, you know, who founded these massive companies. And I would listen to their story that when they started year one, year five, year 10, year 30, where they are now. And I realized that the path was all the same. So, so if you don't have somebody that you know right now, that's a coach, there's enough people out there so you can find it, but rely on podcasts because the information's out there. And, and that's another tip because it goes down to, Hey, if you're in this alone, the resources are there in today's day and age, you're kind of lazy. If you just can't find some way to get better, right? Every piece of information on every single topic, every single profession, every single, whatever is out on the internet and you just have to find it. I know. Can you imagine before, I mean, the kids that are growing up now with the internet, and then there's even a newer generation who grew up with um, social media. I'm going to hearken back to a day when there was no social media to bounce ideas off. Anytime I have a problem, like I just had a chef cater to an event for a video I'm doing on a new listing. I just put it on Instagram. I mean, Facebook. I knew it right away. I need a chef. I had 30-some uh, comments. There was a time, ladies and gentlemen, that there was no social media. I'm going to even take it back further. There was no internet at all. <laughs> like the, the knowledge <laughs> was, it was secluded. It was kept under lock and key. I mean, so now whenever I see young kids, like, oh, I don't know the answer. I can't figure out. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. You would have died if you were yeah. before the internet. It's all there. Yeah. And I, I, so I always take time to help people that have questions on business. And I, I try to get a gauge of what they really need and, and do they really need help. And I always say, I'll help anybody. But if you ask me a question that should, that could be easily be pulled up on Google or something, yes. I don't want to help you. It's a waste of your time. And it pisses me off because like I didn't have that. 
in the beginning. Right. I figured everything out by Googling or doing the legwork on my own. I'm not here to build your business for you. I'm here to give you a couple tips or tricks or whatever it is to get to the next point. But you got to do that shit on your own. I'm the same way. I will. I mean, I will answer anybody's DM. I will meet with anybody for coffee and I tell them to their face. Um, if I give you all these, answer all your questions and give you all the advice you want. And then I see that you didn't implement anything and you're in the same position. You asked for another meeting. I'm going to deny it. And it's not because I'm a jerk. It's because I'm just beating my head off the wall. My time is valuable. Uh, that's not arrogant. That's a fact. My time is very valuable. So if I'm going to give it to you for free, you had damn well better implement it. Yeah. And, and it, it makes me feel good to t uh, teach other people. I, I volunteer for the panel at Remax. I was just at. I've been on a panel almost every every year, and that's they don't pay us anything for that. Um, there's this kid, Tanner Moves Pittsburgh or something like that. He's a realtor with LifeSpace, Jesse Wigan, those guys. I met them maybe, I don't know a year ago or so and um, for coffee and I gave him all bunch, a whole bunch of advice and he actually took it and he's doing a lot of it. And every once in a while he tags me on Instagram saying that he's doing it. And those are the type of people I like to help. No, those, those are the people you'll, hey, if they call you at whatever time it is, you'll, you'll make sure you fit time in as soon as you can. You don't put that text on, on unread or read or whatever and let it sit there for a week or two. You actually get back to them quickly. So it's super important. I mean, spreading knowledge. I mean, you have so much knowledge in your head. I have so much knowledge in my head. Being able to give that to somebody that we had to earn that knowledge, you know, I didn't have anybody to ask that to, is um, it's a sense of, it's almost like birthing a child. And I don't mean the physical process of it, clearly. I want to understand that. But I mean, I birthing a child by giving John Smith or Jane Doe all this information in the beginning of their real estate career. And if I, I had a very low success rate with them actually becoming successful, but there's two people I know of. Tanner's doing well. Brad Winter's doing well. And there's a kid, Sean Anthony in North um, Pennsylvania is probably doing as good, if not better than me. And I feel like they're my children. Yeah. And I'm like, I gave birth to them with the information that was in my head. So I love giving away the information. You just gotta be able to do it. I can't implement it for you. Yeah. Um, there's something we just, there was something I just released to my office in, our, in an inner office um, Zoom call where to get a Zillow review, I created a domain name on GoDaddy that says www.writetozillowreview for bsp.info. And I send this out to all my past clients. They click on it. It takes them right to Zillow so they can write a review for me, making it very easy. And I had an agent ask me, well, well how do you how do you do that? And I just didn't answer. Yep. You're just going to have to figure that out. Yeah. I can, I'll lead you to the water, but I'm not going to open your mouth, yep. stick your tongue out and, and drink it. Yep. That's actually pretty cool. I mean, so to that, point, right? And, and, and especially I try to correlate things to the marketing world. We live in a day and age where I think seven seconds or five seconds or something like that is the attention span because there's so much that we have, right? And everything that we do when we build uh, landing pages or different things for our clients, when we're doing marketing campaigns, our goal is to simplify the amount of distractions from A to Z, right? And okay, here, here's a landing page for your drywall company, okay? Every time that page moves, there needs to be something clickable that takes me to the end goal. Okay, you wanna know more? Okay, now there's more. And then at the bottom of the more page, hey, this is the call to action there. So to what you did, you simplify that, right? right. I don't want to act like, I'll t hey, can you give me a review on this? Well, let me send you the link that says, all you have to do is click it. It takes right. you right to the review page. Hey, can you, can you leave me a review? Okay. So now I have to go and I have to type in your website. I have to go to this. I have to find the exact spot. You really want me to leave a review. And then now what? So now you just made me do all this work, which I'm the type of guy that if I have to do that, I, I just sits and I don't do it. 
everybody's like that. And I learned that a long time ago in a conference. They taught me, and I didn't know I was doing it. Um, the more berries you put up, the more hoops somebody has to jump through, the your success rate dives down exponentially. And that's the same with you and with me. If I have to jump through a bunch of hoops or something, I'm probably not going to do it. And if they can say to me, why didn't you do it? I'm like, listen, dude, you got to make that process a lot simpler. And I'll give you the example they gave me, and that's Amazon. We all get Amazon packages coming to our door. Sure, um, the price is great. The ease of navigating is great. But the easy, the best part, probably why the most Amazon packages go out is you just got to slide a bar to the right. You don't it's even have easy. to go to a freaking cart. You can just have it sent directly there. I mean, they make it super easy. So I try everything about my business. I try to make it as super easy for somebody to use me as possible or give me what I want. I mean, it's manipulation. It's sales at the best. I don't care if it's getting business or trying to get a waiter to give you a drink before the other person. You're doing something to make it easier for them. <laughs> to make it ha to make it happen. Yeah. So what so the housing market. Yep. It's been crazy, right? It's been crazy. I'll give you a little example. Our MLS, our Western Pennsylvania MLS, usually carries around 7,500 listings. That's an average. We only have 3,400, so we have half the listings um, we usually do. And that's a problem. You know, I'm not thriving right now because I'm a heavy listing agent. I like to list properties. That's where my bread and butter is. But if there's not a lot of listings to be had, my business is going to suffer a little bit. So I've been pivoting and trying to pick up buyers again. But buyers are tough, as we spoke about today, is because you're showing them 50 houses. You either you can't get the offer accepted, you can't get the offer in quick enough whatever. So the real estate market is kind of, and there's the, in, in the REMAX convention, realtor um, organization put out a stat that there are the most realtors, licensed agents across the United States in every market than there's ever been. And we have a high failure rate because it is tough to get business. So you'll see, you'll see that number come down. There'll be a shift in the uh, market where a lot of realtors will fall off. But um, it's it's really it's it's tougher than we make it look. Like we were talking today, this is spring. I'm usually running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But I only have a couple active buyers, and every time I get a listing, this is a good problem to have. Um, it sells within the first usually minutes, hours, maybe two or three days. But they sell right away. So then I I'm unemployed, I'm unemployed every day I get up. And if I have no listings, I have no job. But, you know, you get a listing in, it goes out right away. So it's really an efficient uh, market that we're in right now. But it's kind of a scary market as well because there's just not a lot of listings. That's why new construction is um, taking off. And that's why I pivoted maybe two or three years ago to be representing flippers and builders and developers is because I saw that the inventory was shrinking. Shrinking. So where are you going to go? You're going to go where you know there's going to be a house for yeah. you. And that's new construction. So, and that's what I was going to ask. I mean, every, every we just went into a couple houses today in our, mm -hmm. on our bike ride, and it's just all. Is there a sweet spot for you from a, a, a retail price point? It seems like all your stuff you do is just high end. Um, you know, maybe that's because most of the ones I've seen are the new construction. Right. I really don't think we've walked in any. Um, no, I mean, all new construction is going to be uh, maybe 400000 and up. It's going to be hard. You're going to be hard pressed to find. I mean, they. I'm actually looking at getting into developing a little bit as we spoke. I have a partner and um, it costs about 350000 to build a 18 to 2200 square foot house from the ground up in the city of Pittsburgh, roughly. It's about 350 grand. So you're not going to find any brand new construction for 350. And that, David, is why the market in the uh, average market price of 180 in Pittsburgh, anywhere around there, anywhere under 350 is freaking bananas because you're not going to find new construction. You yeah. can't make a house for $100,000 and make any money. Yeah. You can't create a house. You find some flips maybe for, you know, in the $100,000, $200,000 price point, but it's few and far between. Whereas new construction, building and development, um, it'll be four to 450 to 500, 600, 700,000. Yeah. And I would assume the sub 300 house, uh, sub $300,000 house is probably go pretty quick. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. 
crazy. I have a couple of buyers that are like the 150 price point. I give them the other agents in the office because they're never going to get anything. If it's you don't that. have, a, if you don't have a, I mean, those people in those lower price points typically don't have a lot of money saved, so they need seller assist, or they don't have a lot to put down. And and you know, sellers didn't really care about that before, but now that um, it, there's so many buyers out there, you need to, as a uh, seller, you need to differentiate between the nine offers, the yeah. ten or eleven, twelve offers. What's the difference? They're all hundred thousand dollars. Well, this one's putting twenty percent down. This one is a conventional loan. This one is putting three point five percent down on his FHA, so they're a weaker borrower. Yeah. So you know, if you're an FHA buyer or you're representing FHA buyers or um, conventional loan buyers that are in that, you know, under 350, under 300 price point, and they don't have a strong bank account, you're probably going to get shot down every time. And from a business model, what do you do? I mean, you're what? You are literally wasting your time as a buyer's agent taking these buyers around. I call them dead buyers. They're never going to be. They want to. They have the heart of gold, and you want to get them in, but they're never going to be able to compete with a stronger offer. And some of these offers are going way over list. I mean, the market's insane like that. So as a business owner, you got to determine, am I going to keep on taking these buyers around? Or you just give them a good advice. I mean, like, you're probably going to need to rent a little bit more. Two options. You either need to rent and save up more money, or you need to look at a lower price point where you're the stronger buyer. The buyers have a tendency to buy at the height of their the top of their price point and stretch it out probably right if i if they tell me set up a search between 400 and 600,000 dollars the donuts we're looking at 599.599999,000 dollar houses we're not looking at 400,000 dollar houses right. yeah i mean even when i when i was 26 when i built my house the reason i built my house was at that time I was trying to find something on the higher end of what my budget was. And every time I would put an offer in, I think it was five or six times. This was 2013, 2012. And I, I had my uncle who was a realtor at the time and he was just, he was taking forever to even put offers in. So every time I would put an offer in, I would get outbid mm -hmm. or somebody would pay cash. Mm. And I started realizing like, there's a big problem here. I was zero for five or zero for six. And then I just said, I got so frustrated with looking for houses. I said, fuck it, I'm going to build something. Smart. And I ended up building a house that was more expensive than I wanted to at the time, but I was so frustrated with it. I was just like, fuck it, I cannot keep waiting for this. So it's interesting to, to I never really analyzed that or thought about the mindset behind that, but we all want caviar things with, with budgets that aren't, aren't caviar budgets. 100%. And I mean, you just proved my point. What I was saying is you can't find which one. And, and, and we're going to make a little plea to buyers. You can't get frustrated like David did. If you get frustrated like David did, you may get yourself into a financial situation that um, you can't survive. I mean, maybe you can afford $3,000 a month with a total family budget. You know, your mortgage is $2,500 and then you have car, utility, whatever, and you're okay with that. But what if one thing happens, God forbid, something health-related that your health insurance doesn't cover, or, or I'm basically just having a rainy day. Now you're going into foreclosure. So this is a reason why I don't like buyers to buy at the top of their budget. But again, as a realtor, that's not my job to give you life coaching. You kind of have to figure that stuff out on your own. Yeah. Well, who knew there'd be a global pandemic either, right? Right. 911. I mean, I was around, and people were like, oh, what is that? I mean, 911, I was around for that. I mean, those are things, those are not, it's not a pandemic, but those are global shifts okay. that um, is not mother nature, and there are mother nature ones too, that you can't predict that yeah. you would never think would happen, just like the pandemic. We're American, nothing can pierce our armor, and everything got shut down, and people were losing jobs, and some people, you know, blows my mind, I think we've talked about this, they still haven't learned their lesson. Yep. Like, you need to put money away, sell shit, put money away for a rainy day. There could be another rainy day
gay right around the corner. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the big thing, too, is at the end of the day, there's so many things that are outside of influencers. And I think there's a lot of people that probably live house poor, mm. um, whether the reason is because they want the perception or whether the reason is they didn't. I, I think I could speak for myself when I first started getting into, you know, building my house and everything. I wanted the nicest of nice. I just built this nice house so that the furniture was brand new, it was expensive stuff. And I depleted all my savings. I spent every dollar that I possibly could. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then I went Bad. into bi- yeah, and then I went into business. And then I, st- <laughs> so it was the worst time to do what I did. And it, fortunately, it worked out for me. But, you know, I, I think people really need to get a gauge on the comfort of their life and being true to their budget and just getting an understanding that there's outside influences. And this is not just with a house, it's buying a car, it's spending money on a new pair of shoes. Do those things really make sense? Are they worth it? Can I use that extra money for something else? And, you know, maybe at that time in 2013, if I would have built a house that was $100,000 less and put a X amount of money more onto the stock market or whatnot, who knows what stocks I could have had in that could have increased the, the, the amount of revenue that I would have there. So there's, you know, brace yourself to be smart. And I think we, we have to train ourselves as society and people to stop paying attention to the stuff that doesn't matter because the things that don't matter don't matter. Right. And a lot of people are taking out loans or, or financing this stuff. And I, I mean, I try to tell people this all the time. And you know, I, you and I have had this conversation. I'm debt adverse. So everything I have is paid off. So if a pandemic came, I'm okay. And, and you know, can you say that? I mean, you can't be mortgaged. You can't be loaned out to the maximum to have a Lamborghini, a house, a couple kids and all that just because you either want to provide that to them or you want to have that image that you're trying to keep up with some of the Instagram influencers by having Louboutin shoes, roll watches, etc. I mean, I don't know what school you went to. You went to Canon Mac. They never taught us how to budget, man. That would have been the best. I'll tell you, one of the best classes I ever took was typing, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but if they would have ever had that class, if they could teach it, because what if your parents suck at uh, managing money? They're going to teach you sucky ways. Yeah. I'm, I'm very fortunate that my mother and father have taught me never buy anything, never charge anything, finance anything you can't pay off. Now, you're going to say, what about a house? That's true. Um, but I made those payments immediately to pay off that house. You don't carry a mortgage for 30 years. You want to know something that will stop you from pay- making payments for 30 years that'll get sick? Look at that amortization schedule whenever you close on your house. Don't don't bury that sheet of paper. Look at it. You will end up, if you pay at that interest rate for 30 years, you will end up paying more in interest than you actually paid for that house. So I know a lot of us, I've met some savvy buyers that are doing 50 year more, 15 year mortgages or making double payments. I mean, you got to pay that stuff off first. You, you can't just be so comfortable. America, lenders, creditors, they want you to get comfortable with debt. I have friends that like buying new exotic cars all the time and they're just loaned out. Like, I don't think they'll ever be able to pay that off. They just keep rolling to the next one. Yep. And I'm thinking that is absolutely insane. Yeah. So when I built my house, I think my tag was 430 or 440,000 or whatever. Yeah. And I looked at the it's a lot of money in 2015. still. Two, uh, 2013 uh, at wow, that time, that's a lot of money. And the crazy thing is the amortization over the life, oh. I think it was nine hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> or nine hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Thanks, love that. It's crazy, and you know, I'm I'm I've been there almost I think eight years in October. October will be eight years for me, and um, you know, I'm not going to be there much longer. But you know, you really look at things; it's pretty crazy. And there are tips, like you said, the double payment on the mortgage that you can yep. utilize, and there's certain things that I'm sure Brian, you could reach out to Brian on social media, 100%. and and he'd love to give you some guidance on that. And I'm sure there's a million other things that we could think of. And look, it's 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 reality, and we live in a world again that goes back to perception. Cut it out, stop it; it's right. not worth it. Right. When when you have the free 
freedom, which I finally have now. We talked about this mm. today on our ride. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how much money I have. I have the freedom to do what I want whenever I want at any time I want. Isn't that the definition of success? Isn't that what everybody wants? Is It's called a financial freedom. And that is whenever you have everything paid off or under control um, and you have the freedom to just up and go wherever you want and it not negatively impact your budget. I mean, Josh Adamack does a great job with um, investing. And that's some of the stuff they teach about is um, paying everything off and being able to uh, have money to roll into another business, being debt adverse and if a pandemic comes up like when the pandemic came up i saw realtors hitting the fucking eject button the, the panic button even my broker's doing zoom calls my other broker's doing zoom calls and i'm just sitting back twiddling my thumbs in florida with a stacked <laughs> bank account with no bills thinking if you motherfuckers would have just paid off all your shit instead of buying all this other crap when you had money yeah. um you wouldn't have this problem and then i see them still making the same mistakes it's just, it's yeah. mind boggling. And and the earlier you start right. at protecting yourself, the better you'll be for the future. So just if you're in a good spot now, make sure you don't ever not get in a good spot. Don't take the risks on certain things if it doesn't make sense, because it, there's going to be another situation at some point. It's hopefully not another pandemic, right. but something else is going to happen. Yeah, so. And another good piece of advice I learned, I never used to CrossFit, uh, CrossFit Mount Lebanon. There was a professional CrossFitter there that went to the games all the time. And I took a competitive class and she taught us that she has um, multiple equipment. So if she has jump rope, she has at least one more, preferably two more back up jump ropes in case one breaks so now i have in my house i have a desk big ass desktop computer i have a uh, that's a um, a pc and then i have a laptop which is an apple and i've got them different on purpose i have an ipad and then i have an android phone so i have and i've had problems with the desktop of course when i needed to write an offer within two minutes so i went over to the um laptop so what i'm trying to the, the point i'm trying to pivot to is have a backup plan. That's another thing she taught me. Equipment backup plan and have a back. She had two backup plans. If she was going to do a wad um, workout of the day this way, if it didn't, if it wasn't going very well for her, she had a backup way to do that. And if it wasn't going to work out well for her there, she had a th uh, three different options. First choice, second choice, third choice. So you need to have uh, you can't just be a realtor. Like I'm also a little bit of a developer. I was a flipper before a realtor, so I can always go back into flipping. You have to have a backup plan. Like you're multi-talented. You have a bunch of things going on. And even let's just say you own rental properties. You're not going to make a ton of money from having one rental property. We have a mutual friend that has multiple rental properties. And this person has a uh, is well off, financially secure. And that's because if one goes vacant, he has a backup plan, all the rest carry it. So you have to have a backup plan. You can't just be one dimensional. If you don't have a backup plan for equipment and um, employment, when something, uh, a crisis comes, you may find yourself looking for that uh, PPE or PPD. Yep. I don't even know what it's called because I didn't get any of it. Yep. So, so that's interesting. And, and look, Brian obviously is in the real estate home home building. You know that's his market is the housing housing arena essentially. The, it's the same philosophy for whatever business you had. Right. When the pandemic happened, we were doing in the soup business we were doing six figures a month. Then you fast forward to April, we did twelve hundred dollars in sales in in April. Mm. Then what did we do? We said okay, oh. let's let's figure this out because this is the real deal. This is happening. So then we ended up selling masks. I think we did one point two or one point five million dollars in mask business in eight to ten weeks, That's and awesome. it was the change. It changed the game. Now my suit business, I don't have to sell a dollar a month with suits, and and I make enough money with the marketing to cover my cost and then some. So it's I've put myself in a position now. It started with the suits. Well, actually, it started far before that with the, right. with the necktie stuff and and kind of evolved into the suits. So everything that I've ever done in my business, my day-to-day -day life is, is, is laser focused, 
but keeping the peripheral open when I needed to. And to always be aware that if there was another opportunity to capitalize on some form of revenue that made sense, that didn't stray me away from that direct path, if it, if it just was kind of dangling in the distance and I can reach and grab it, it was well worth focusing on. And mm -hmm. I think it's the same thing to what you're saying is you just, you have to make sure that you're flexible, nimble, whatever it may be, because shit's going to happen that you don't have control over and there's people that have lost their life because of that and and figuratively and literally have lost their life through the pandemic because right. it really sucked everything out that they had and they felt no purpose to continue or couldn't right I, i'll tell you what a good example of that of that is i had an actress uh, who's a realtor uh, do a video with me yesterday and she's in the entertainment business like um concert business and this one of the stage managers stage managers who used to make six figures i don't know i'm sorry i don't know if it was a week a month or a gig something or a year or whatever but made, this dude made good money he actually killed himself because of the pandemic oh, he's wow. a young kid and it was because um you know the the game sh uh, changed pandemic came and i'm certainly not i don't want to discredit this person's death but they didn't have a backup plan sure. and i mean they, i don't agree with suicide but they took that route but um you had a you pivoted and had a backup plan in place and that's what i was just trying to tell everybody about backup computers and and different um avenues of income is you've got to have you've got to be trying different things the first thing we both tried isn't what we're doing now like i first started flipping houses i don't flip houses anymore i'm now a realtor who's going to move into being a developer and a realtor and in different states you started out with so proper, well, neckties, then proper knot, then the suits. Right. And I was had a day job at the time, too, so I was always figuring stuff out. How, when did you flip first house? Uh, it was probably about 20 years ago, okay. before there was YouTube, before yeah. there was anything. There was a TV show called Flip This House, and I mean, I didn't know anything about it, but I liked the fact that you made your own hours. Yeah. So um, I bought a hammer, uh, some duct tape, and I went to Home Depot, and I said, this is what I need to do. And they're like, okay. And I made 20 grand off my first flip, and I was like, okay, cool, well, I can do this. And I took that money and bought more tools, better tools, to be able to do a, a bigger house at a faster uh, pace with better quality. And yeah. I kept rolling money back in the business. So I haven't had a mortgage in 20 years, because most of the houses I've lived in while I flipped them and then I sold it and I took that money. Eventually I went from taking out loans to flipping houses to just paying cash, cash. for it and everything that went into it. And again, no mortgage payments. Yeah. So yeah. And the, the the crazy thing about that is right, whenever you make that switch or you make that pivot, whatever you want to call it, to, to change your business to add another stream of revenue, when things go back to normal, you then get that additional stream of revenue. Right. So now you've automatically created one, two, three, four different ways to make money. And that's the power in that whole situation situation is being flexible, being able to be a visionary to see things at some point, whatever you built, whatever network, whatever money, whatever, that's going to come back to play at some point whenever the stars align. And, and it seems like now you're potentially getting back into flipping houses and developing and doing things of that nature. That's a whole nother revenue stream that's going to be substantial on top of the great money you're already making. I can't tell you how many times, David, where I've done something and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I ever need to know that or if I learned something and it kind of just stuck in the back of my head on the shelf. And I was like, uh, whatever. And then years, maybe even decades later, I was like, oh, I remember this. Oh, yeah. I did that. And I implemented it and it, it was successful. And that's, again, it gets why it goes back to going uh, to these conferences. There's so much shit there. I may just pick up one thing and I may not implement it right away, but I know somebody else is doing it and they're having success with it. So when I slow down or something pivots and my business takes a hit, I'll know it's there. I mean, the moral of what I'm trying to tell everybody is if you're just sitting on your ass um, in Pittsburgh waiting for success to come to you, you're going to be sitting there forever. You have to go after success. How, what does that mean? 
while I listen to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, going to conference. You've got to do something. And, and for the longest time, I was lazy and because my parents did everything for me whenever I was younger. I just thought everything would be done for me. And I went out in the real world and like I was just floundering around and failed. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to do something. Then I started going after things. Just like if you're a guy and you're trying to get a girlfriend, you go after the girl. Rarely does the girl come after you. I mean, sometimes you might be that lucky. I'm not that lucky. Yeah. So, so what's next for you? What's, what's on the, I know you just got licensed in the state of Florida. So if anybody out there is listening and, you know, a lot of people are down there visiting, so please, you know, reach out to Brian. Um, what's next, you know, potentially doing the flipping, uh, real realty in Florida. Um, obviously you have your hands in a bunch of different things. What's, what's next for you on the immediate horizon? Right. So the plan, I'm always a planning, I'm always planning my planner. So I've realized that in Florida, those realtors down there can sell 1 million, 2 million, 25, $30 million houses. And guess what? The commission is the same as up here. So why they're working significantly less, having way more mental, mental pleasing bike rides than I am selling 70 houses a year up here. So I decided to get my license down there and I'm invested a substantial amount of money month over month trying to get in with that luxury network down there. Um, I'm going to move down there. I'm going to run a place um, in the winter, move down there and fly back to Pittsburgh as needed because I'm going to keep the bit, Pittsburgh business that I've worked so hard um, going strong, but I'm going to try to open up. It's, it's no different and open up another branch if you were a Allstate or you were a McDonald's and just open up another branch. I'm not um, giving up on something, but I'm also putting another iron to fire and that's with this development because if real estate in, in Florida never picks up and for whatever, real, whatever reason, real estate in Pittsburgh suffers a little, I'm going to have this development thing in the background. I mean, the, the market's so crazy. All, all you have to do is build it and they will come. Yeah. So um, luxury real estate in Florida, continuing to crush it in Pittsburgh in real estate and start developing a little bit here in Pittsburgh. And then for Florida, is there uh, area, obviously I, I know you do South Florida a ton, is there area specific where you're gonna be investing more time? Um, is if anybody's listening and they're you know potentially having yeah. the idea, hey, I want a vacation house, second house, or or my primary residence. Any philosophy there on where you'll be or where you can help? So I mean, Florida is a little different. I will sell. I, I will work the area in Florida where the sun shines. Yep. <laughs> so uh, Florida, Florida, the sun shines every day, all of Florida. So yeah. it's a little different down there. I mean, I could sell anywhere in Pennsylvania, but you have to join all these different MLSs, and you have to do that down in Florida as well. But it's more popular. So if somebody wants to buy uh, a Pittsburgher wants to buy a five million dollar house in Naples, which is on the other coast where I'm not in that MLS, I can certainly pay $160 become join that MLS and represent my friend, buyer, or client um, for a $5 million house down there. Now, I do primarily work on the South Florida area, which is a huge area. Right. Miami, Boca, Boynton Beach, Fort Lauderdale. I mean, if you think, I tell everybody here in Pittsburgh and I put on my social media, if you're thinking Florida real estate residential, just contact me. I'll figure it out. If I can't get there, I'll get you to somebody else that will. Awesome. What I'm um, kind of wrapping up here. What mm -hmm. changes in the um, in the real estate game, and you know things that you see coming? Um, any any tips out there that you can really provide for there's people listening that could be younger up and coming realtors, somebody that's been a realtor for 20 years and is looking for some change. Um, you know, what do you foresee happening here? I've, obviously you said Pittsburgh, what half the, it looks like half of the rev or uh, inventory is available. Yeah. Um, do you see anything changing drastically? Do you see that coming back at all? Um, is that purely pandemic related that caused that? What's, oh, yeah. your, what's your overall thought? It's definitely a pandemic. I mean, the market was great before, but we never saw this type of inventory shortage, nor this many buyers, et cetera. But people are changing their lifestyles because of the pandemic. They Everybody has reflected on their life and realized that they need this. They need a bigger house. They need a smaller house. They need to get out of a condo. They need whatever. Now we're seeing a return to condos with the um, vaccines being introduced as well. So, But what I will tell, realtors have been in business 20 years. I've been there 15. Um, a lot of the older 
realtors, more experienced, senior, whatever, they're going to be leaving. Um, my dad quit the car business because technology took over. I mean, kids started texting and emailing and selling cars from home, and that just wasn't the way they did it. A lot of these old, uh, older school realtors or older in age, whichever it is, they're going to be leaving. And it's starting their business is starting to be taken over by some of the younger kids. Yeah. And they may not have that experience, but they have experience on TikTok. They can make a real you know what I mean? Absolutely. We uh, need to step it up. <laughs> right. And like I said, that kid in Mississippi, the number one agent, he's not just the number one REMAX agent. He's the number one agent of all Mississippi, made half a million dollars a year. He's a 20-some-year-old kid that never bought or sold his own primary residence yet. But he's a hustler, and that's what it takes. So you got to have that hustle. Give some advice to the younger generation. you got to have that hustle. you got to have that grind. Resiliency. You've got to have thick skin. Just talked to this, this girl last night who did the video with me, and she was telling me how other agents were being bitches to her. I said, they're going to do that. You're, you're going to be tested all the time. Your clients are going to be um, not so nice to you as well. So you need to, you need to get that thick skin. And if you're going to be a younger realtor, you need to have a bank account. You know, if you got your license on January 1st and you sold a house on January 1st, you still wouldn't get paid to January 31st when it closes. That's something I didn't know. You know, there's no paychecks. We don't get paid hourly. We get paid at closing. You're probably not going to sell. Listen, I, I just got my license in Florida. I can guarantee you. You're not going to sell a house your first day. I'm on month three and haven't sold a house down there yet. So you have to have a bank account as well because a lot of people are thinking about going into real estate. We have a high turnover, and that's because they don't know these type of things. And the longer you're in real estate, the more clients you have, the more repeat business you have. So I tell all young agents, get on with a, um, a major corporation that has some sort of training. There's different brokerages around the Pittsburgh area that has training programs that aren't the best for commission splits, but that's because you get an education Absolutely. from and they, they prevent you from failing and keep you in the industry. Um, and I also recommend trying to get on a team. Um, like I don't have a team, but if you have successful, there's a lot of successful realtors in Western Pennsylvania that have teams. You need to get on that team because they've already made the mistakes that are facing you. You are opening a door. There is this pathway to the castle. Along the way, there are coyotes, traps, and everything else. The team is all at the other end. They have already been through there. They can wave a magic wand and lift you up from that front door and take you over top of all the hazards and drop you off down there. I mean, you're, again, you're going to take a hit in the commission, but what you're taking a hit in the commission, you are gaining exponentially and not losing money and failing and education. Yeah, yeah and, and I think there's a lot of gold there, right? And mm. just like in anything that, you know, that you're out there listening. And, and again, I always talk about whether it's personal relationships, whether it's professional relationships, whether it's you're trying to start a business, whether you're an employee that wants to be better, whether you're a realtor, you want to be better, you want to improve. There's nothing different between any industry, right. any product, any service. The mental philosophy is all the same. It's the never giving up attitude. It's, hey, you're going to you're gonna deal with some bullshit. You're going to have to. But that's essentially earning your stripes to get there. You know, you're going to make mistakes. That's okay because the mistakes you make then, as long as you learn from them and grow from them, those are the scars that you never get rid of. And those are the scars that when you get to the point that you're trying to be, you appreciate those. You appreciate the financial freedom that you have because it hits you differently being that you've been drugged through mud for so long mm. over and over and over again and you know we share horror stories all the time mm. and it's just it is what it is there's no way around that there's no way that you're going to you're, you're going to bypass that automatically and even the analogy you said about the team um for the realty that have real realtor teams there's 
yeah, they can sh- they can steer you and help you make less mistakes. You're right. still going to fuck up and make mistakes. Right. That's okay. And you're allowed to do those things. And look, Brian's one of the top realtors in Western Pennsylvania. I don't know if there's a, a ranking or anything. I, I know you're one of the best. Right. And there's a reason. It didn't just, hey, I right. woke up and I'm at that point. It's, it's, hey, you've been doing this for 15 years. It's consistency. It's over and over and over. And then it's how do I continue to grow? How do I grow differently? How do I, how do I have another web out here to cast some, cast some uh, more revenue, create another stream here or there? So if you're if you're listening, just keep going with everything that you're doing. Put yourself in a position to be successful. Put yourself in a position to make the least amount of stake, mm. mistakes as possible. But be okay with mistakes because mistakes are good and they groom you to be a person. So wrapping up here, I mean, any 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 quick pearls that you have is is there anything that you would say? Hey, if I'm thinking about getting into realty or I'm just starting out, what's what's the one two things that you really try to get off that? Hey, this is the 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 true foundation that's going to allow you to be successful. I mean, if we we basically gave the blueprint on how to succeed. If you listen to this thing back and take notes, there's so many different nuggets we put out there. I'm not going to tell you the couple things that you should do. I'm going to tell you. The couple things you shouldn't do. Don't become a realtor because you like touring houses. Don't become a realtor because you like looking on Zillow. Don't become a realtor because on House Hunters you pick the winning house that the buyer was. That's not it. I already told you. You got to have a bank account. To uh, it, it's no. You're a business owner. It's no different than starting any business. Whether you're selling suits, buttons, cars, whatever, you have to have a bank account to eat out of for X amount of months before you're going to realize a paycheck. And you've got to have thick skin and prepare to get beat up. That is what is going to make you tougher. You are going to get beat up if you're in the uh, cl- consumer or client-facing business. Um, those are just some of the nuggets. And we dropped so many good ones. I mean, it, there's no way everybody's going to go over everything we taught them and be like, oh, I need more. I, yeah. I, I've implemented all that, and I, I can't figure it out. No, there's a ton there. Yeah, this was awesome. This was cool because, again, our, our friendship, our relationship, and you know, we have these conversations on a regular basis. And I would recommend, if you're out there listening, find somebody similar to Brian and myself or whoever it is, make sure that you're, you're sharing stories with somebody talking with somebody that has similar goals in mind. And, and as you grow in life and as you become more successful, your goals change, your network change, the people that you surround yourself with is going to change and make sure that even if the people kind of enter or exit your life, it doesn't mean that they're bad people or your, your taste, your wants, your needs, your lifestyle, all those things change. And you know, you, Brian's become one of my closest friends in a short amount of time because we have a similar outlook on life. We have a similar work ethic on life. We have similar desires to be successful and to continue growing. And look, there's everybody for for everybody at different stages in life. And as you grow and as you network and as you build businesses, those are all things you just have to be aware that they're out there. So where, where can everybody find you? We're going to put everything in the show notes for you, but you know, just give a quick shout here on uh, your, your Instagram handles, uh, right. websites, any of that stuff that you may have. Yeah. So if you just Google Brian sells Pittsburgh, it'll come up at, at Brian sells Pittsburgh on Instagram at Brian sells Miami on Instagram. You can find me through David's social media as well. Brian sells Pittsburgh on YouTube, Brian sells yeah. Miami on YouTube. Um, it's not, hard to find me. Awesome. And honestly, if you guys are looking, Brian does some amazing marketing videos. It's just, he's doing things different than a lot of people that I've seen. And, and it's, it's really cool. It's inspired me to kind of think outside the box and try to be different. And I'm still trying to put my finger on where I need to go with this. And that's the great thing about having Brian in my network is just him challenging me without him even knowing that he's challenging me because I want to be the best at what I do, just like he's one of the best at what he does. So I appreciate you being on, man. This was, this was really awesome. And 
and uh, we'll have many uh, more conversations here in the near future. So appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And anybody, I mean, if you want to take me out for a cup of coffee or DM me or whatever, I will get back to you. And it is me. There's nobody on the other end of my um, social media or, or anything else that's not me. Awesome, guys. Don't be a stranger. Definitely reach out to uh, Brian if you need anything. And then any business information, any questions for me, uh, please reach out as well. Appreciate you guys. And we'll talk to you next week. 